In the 16th century, a man with a gold hooped earring and a little goatee picked up a quill and wrote some of the finest sonnets the world has ever seen. Five hundred, six hundred, five hundred years later, a man with nothing better to do sits down with a microphone and tries to work out what the hell that bloke was going on about. Welcome to the final couplet. Hello, it's me. Theo Cowan, and this is the final couplet. Welcome back. Did I have a good Christmas? I did, thank you. I appreciate you asking me. How was yours? Oh, good. That's nice to hear. What did you get up to? Did you give a mince pie and carrot to to Rudolph and and Santa Claus? Did you open some nice presents? Did you have a roasted bird to eat. I did all of the above and it was great. And of course, if you don't celebrate Christmas, I hope you had a nice 25th of December, which is probably just like any other day, really. Right, now we got the small talk out of the way. Let's get on with the bloody podcast, shall we? Today, we're looking at another Shakespeare sonnet. Surprise, surprise. This time, it's Sonnet 37. If you remember, the last few sonnets were about Shakespeare being in a toxic relationship. Well, I don't think they were about that. It was just very apparent that he was in a toxic relationship. And in Sonnet 36, he'd sort of said, look, enough is enough. I've done bad things. You've done bad things. Let's call the whole thing off. So I'm excited to hear what this sonnet 37 is going to be about is it the same relationship is it written for a new person we're about to find out let's have a listen shall we sonnet 37 as a decrepit father takes delight to see his active child do deeds of youth so i made lame by fortune's dearest spite take all my comfort of thy worth and truth For whether beauty, birth, or wealth, or wit, or any of these all, or all, or more, entitled in thy parts do crowned sit, I make my love engrafted to this store, so then I am not lame, poor, nor despised, whilst that this shadow doth such substance give, that in thy abundance am sufficed, and by a part of all thy glory live. Look what is best, that best I wish in thee. This wish I have, then ten times happy me. Wow, I actually shocked myself by saying despised there. There wasn't even an accent over the E, but I just went for it. The The mood took me and I, and I said despised and I sort of caught myself off guard a little bit. But I think I styled it out and maybe, maybe... That was how it was meant to be read. I'm 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 really channeling Shakespeare these days. I'm 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 I might start slipping in, sort of maybe worried instead of worried, just into daily life or or despised. I don't really say despised a lot to be honest in my normal day to day chat. But 
now's the time maybe to give it a go and see how it goes down with, with friends and family. Now this is a slightly strange one because it seems that this isn't written for the same person as the last few sonnets were written for. But then I could well be wrong and he's just forgotten about all the stuff that happened in the last sonnets. Because sonnet 36 seemed quite definitive. This is the end between us. We can't go on like this. I'm done with you. I'm I'm a bad guy. You're a bad guy. Let's not do it anymore. And then this one's, you know, back to saying you're great. I think, you know, you've got all these great attributes about you. I love you. You make me happy. It doesn't say I love you, but I mean, that's that's the gist of it, isn't it? So I suppose it's guesswork and totally up to us whether we think this is the same relationship or just written to someone new. And obviously I know that I'm really making, trying to make a narrative out of this, whereas they could just be poems for for just random people or poems that he was paid to do. But I like to think that they're all for one person or a few people and he's built up a nice relationship through his sonnets because, you know, come on, let's not, let's not get too scholarly about this. You know, we're not historians. Let's build a little story. Why not? We don't know. No one knows. No one was alive back then. Well, people were alive, but, but we weren't. Us today weren't alive. There were, in fact, living people back then. That, that is true. But, of course, if you did happen to be alive in, in the 1500s, then drop, drop me an email because it might be quite interesting to have a chat, sort of talk about what life was like and maybe get you on the podcast. Right, let's dive into this line by line and try and work out what the hell Shakespeare was going on about. As a decrepit father takes delight to see his active child do deeds of youth... So I, made lame by fortune's dearest spite, take all my comfort of thy worth and truth. So he's saying, just as a sort of poor old dad takes delight in seeing his child run about, have a good time, have a laugh, so does he, Shakespeare, in the state that he's in, in fortune's dearest spite. He's had a tough time, is what he's saying, you know. I've had a rough life, a rough old life, but I actually take comfort in your worth and truth. Shakespeare likes to say a few times, oh, I've had a rough old life. And it's quite sad, really. And you'd think, you know, an acclaimed poet, writer, you know, playwright like him wouldn't have had such a rough life. But apparently he keeps saying it that he has. But he's saying his tough life has been made better by the recipient of this sonnet. So that's nice, at least. For whether beauty, birth, or wealth, or wit, or any of these all, or all, or more, entitled in thy parts do crowned sit, I make my love engrafted to this store. So here he's saying whether you're, you're beautiful, birth, whether you're born into nobility or, or a good family, whether you're wealthy, or, or funny, or any of these, or all, or more. And I like this little uh, this little trio here. He's saying, whether you've got one of these attributes, or all of them, or all of them and more than that, and, and a load of other ones. And he's saying, so whether you have any of these great attributes, or one of them, or all of them, I'm attaching my love to you. I'm investing in you. So then I am not lame, poor, nor despised, 
whilst that this shadow doth such substance give, that I in thy abundance am sufficed, and by a part of all thy glory live. And here he's saying, when I am so invested in you and I'm living in this fantasy of, of loving you and, and being part of you, I'm not lame. And I don't think he means lame as in loser like we like to use it today. I think he means, you know, someone that has, have, has trouble walking because of, a, of an injury or an illness or something like that. So he's not lame, poor or despised. I don't know why he keeps saying that he's despised by everyone. He's got very low self-esteem, doesn't he, Shakespeare? It's very sad. Or maybe he just was a hateable man. Well, we'll never know. Anyway, he's saying he's no longer lame, poor, or despised, as long as he, in the recipient of the poem's good fortune, and he can live off part of the recipient of the poem's glory. Which is quite a nice thing to say. But also, if I was getting this read to me, I'd be like, well, no, you have your own life as well. Don't just attach everything to mine. You can't have just a bit of my life to make you feel better. That's quite sad. It's not sexy, that's for sure. And now we're on to the final couplet. Look what is best. That best I wish in thee. This wish I have. Then ten times happy me. And here he's saying... Look, whatever is best in the world, that's what I wish for you. And if I make this wish, then that will make me ten times happier. This wish I have, is he saying, I actually do have this wish. A genie came along and said, you have one wish, and I said that. Or is he saying, if I had this wish, then I will be ten times happier. Hard to say, really. Uh, I prefer the one with the genie. So, that concludes Sonnet 37, and there's a few things to note in this one. What has happened to the toxic relationship, and is that still going? Is this is this still the same relationship? The second thing is, the recipient seems quite a bit younger than Shakespeare. He's sort of talking about being, you know, as a father looks upon his child, he feels this joy even though he's sort of a bit decrepit and, and, and a bit older, and that strikes me as strange. What's what 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 what's the age gap here? Are we talking Shakespeare is forty and this 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 person's you know dare I say seven six 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 sixteen seventeen, or is it you know thirty twenty five? And Shakespeare's blowing it all out of proportion and saying, "Oh, I'm so old," but actually, he's only a couple of years older than the uh, recipient. I I like to think that it's the second one, please. Right, I suppose it's about time that we put Sonnet 37 to our story that has got a little bit out of hand recently. A quick recap for those of you that, that maybe forgot what happened last week or you haven't listened for a while. Well, welcome back. The story's getting pretty crazy. And if this is your first time listening... I like to build a little story around the sonnets each week. So the story thus far is that Shakespeare is has started this relationship with John Donne, the poet, and Shakespeare sort of got a bit jealous of John Donne chatting to this, this quite sexy waiter. And Shakespeare has gone back into the restaurant after they left and pushed the waiter 
the waiter's fallen over, hit his head, and he's he's died. And Shakespeare's gone, oh my God, what the hell's happened? The staff have gone, oh no, Shakespeare killed this waiter. And Shakespeare went on the run. He, he ran home and he sent a sonnet to John Donne saying, ooh, I've done some bad things. Let's not date anymore. That's probably not a great idea. I'm really sorry about what happened but also John Dunn has his uh, vices as well. So he, he he was flirting with the waiter and he's maybe a bit of a, a bit of a playboy, um, dare I say. So John Dunn has just read Sonnet 36 that was delivered by Shakespeare's cat, Percutio. And that is where we left off. John Dunn finishes reading Sonnet 36. A tear rolls down his eye. He realises he hasn't been great to Shakespeare. But also Shakespeare has killed a man. So it's kind of not really an eye for an eye. Percutio looks up at him, expecting a letter back for Shakespeare. But John Dunn opens the door and pushes Percutio out. He thinks it's best to get rid of Shakespeare from his life. Because Shakespeare is a murderer now. And that's not great for his reputation, and he still wants to be a famous writer. Meanwhile, across town, Shakespeare has barricaded his door as the police pull up around his house and SWAT teams get out of their horse-drawn carriages and they pull out their little bows and arrows and point them directly at Shakespeare's house. Shakespeare shouts out to them, he said, Do you know who I am? And they said, yes, we do. You're William Shakespeare. And he said, yes. And have you have you heard my plays? Have you read them? Have you, have you watched them? And one of the policemen says, yeah, I watched Twelfth Night last week. It was all right. Shakespeare said, well, yeah, that's not my best one, actually. I've got many more. If you come in and have a cup of tea, I'll let you read some of them, some of the, some of the ones I, I haven't I haven't yet published. And that would be a, a quite amazing for you, wouldn't it? And there's a silence and the police say, come out with your hands up or you get an arrow in the head. And Shakespeare says, please, I beg you, I wouldn't do well in prison. I'm a poet, not a criminal. And the policeman says, You'll be lucky not to go to the gallows, my boy. And Shakespeare said, surely not. You, it was an accident. You, you, you wouldn't send me to the gallows, would you? And the policeman says, I don't know. I'm not a judge, am I? Just come out with your hands up. This is annoying me. It's taken ages. Shakespeare realises the game is up. And he comes out of his house with his hands above his head. The policeman goes up to him, puts him in some wooden cuffs and the policeman says, Thou do not have to say anything, but it may harm thy defence if thy do not mention when questioned something which thy later rely on in court. Anything thy do say may be given in evidence. And they put Shakespeare in the back of the horse-drawn carriage. And as it trundles off, Shakespeare looks out the back window and sees Percutio alone on the cobbled street, a tear rolling down his eye. Shakespeare is placed in a cell on his own. A week goes by, and Shakespeare asks 
the guard, has there been any post for me? And the guard says, no, you haven't received anything. And Shakespeare said, that's strange because I've got, kind of got people that will almost certainly get in touch with me. And the guard says, listen, mate, I'm just telling it how it is. If you don't have any friends, you don't have any friends. And Shakespeare says, no, I do have friends. And also I have a, a lover. All right. And the guard says, all right, OK, no need to be a show off about it. Anyway, they can't love you that much because they haven't written to you. And Shakespeare says, shut up, you. And the guard goes into the cell and gives him a good hiding. After being beaten black and blue by the guard, Shakespeare thinks, I must get a message out to John Donne. I must let him know that I, I still love him and, and he's still important to me. I don't know why he hasn't contacted me. But how am I going to write something? I don't even have a pen and paper. And then he thinks, oh, I could use my blood as ink and for paper... I'll use my pantaloons. So Shakespeare cuts his finger and gets to work on writing Sonnet 37. When he'd finished writing, he thought, but how the hell am I going to get this to John Donne? The guards don't let me send letters from prison. And then he suddenly has an idea. Percutio. If Pacuccio was here, he would be able to jump up to the little cell window, squeeze through the bars and take the sonnet from Shakespeare. Shakespeare thought, but how am I going to contact Pacuccio? And he thinks, there's no way. It's a lost cause. And he starts crying. He's weeping and weeping, tears rolling down his cheek onto the stone floor. But right then, some soft black fur starts rubbing up against his face, wiping the tears from his cheeks. And he says, ah, thanks, Percutio, but really there's no hope. And then he goes, Percutio, is that you? And Percutio meows back to him. They have a little high five. Then Shakespeare says, can you take this sonnet? To John Donne, it's very important. Pacuccio bows his head, takes the sonnet, squeezes through the gap in the window bars and runs off into the night. He runs, of course, straight to John Donne, who sat in a pub ten pints deep at this point. And he's chatting to the person next to him, saying... Yeah, I'm a poet, actually. Yeah, you might have read some of my stuff. It's pretty good. I, um... Yeah, I used to actually go out with William Shakespeare. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, but I realised I was actually just a better writer than him, so I kind of just said, man, it's probably not worth being with you anymore. Percutio jumps up onto his lap, and John Donne says, Bloody hell, it's that cat again! Oh, don't tell me it's another sonnet from Shakespeare. I'm done with him. Percutio meows at him and keeps meowing until John Donne eventually takes the sonnet from around Percutio's neck and reads Sonnet 37. Like a worn-out dad takes pleasure in seeing his child running about and having a laugh, so do I, who's knackered and run down, Take comfort in your good worth and loyalty. Beauty 
nobility, wealth and intelligence are your best attributes and I love that. I'm not lame, poor or despised as long as I can get so much pleasure from your good luck and I can live off a part of your glory. Whatever is best, that's what I wish you to have. And since I have this wish, I am lucky ten times over. Well, that's it for another week. The story is getting pretty wild and it's making me think that I should that I should get some Percussio merch out. I don't have a store or even a website for this podcast, but if you think that's a good idea, then drop me a message on social media, say on my TikTok, the final couplet, look that up and you'll find it, or indeed on Instagram, which is the same name, the final couplet podcast. Have a fantastic new year. Bye!